the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. I continually shake my head over what our Justice Department in Washington, D.C., chooses to engage in and what it chooses not to engage in. For instance, I would think that the protection of Supreme Court justices after a leaked opinion from the court causes protesters to show up on the front lawns of Supreme Court justices' homes would be something that even if you didn't agree with the justices politically, you would do the calculation in your head, well, what if something happens to them and we weren't there to drive the protesters off the lawn when there is an existing federal law against that? And we are the Department of, you know, Justice. Probably a bad look for us. We better get some people out there. Okay, well, there are people out there, but it's against the law to try to intimidate a federal judge by protesting at their home. Justice Department did essentially nothing. Jen Psaki stood at the White House podium and said, oh, no, no, we encourage the protests. We encourage them. Conversely, what is the Justice Department engaged in? Well, they are engaged in suing the state of Arizona over a law Governor Doug Ducey signed earlier this year. Over a law, not over a decision made by a judge, over a law. So it went through the Arizona State House. It was voted on. The governor signed it, it's a law, and the DOJ decides, no, we're going to sue you. What does the law do? The law requires anyone who wants to vote in a state or local election in the state of Arizona to what? Donate to Doug Ducey's campaign? No. It requires them to show proof of identification. It requires them to show proof they are a citizen of the United States. Now, as far as I know, you must be a citizen of the United States in order to vote. So I don't understand how it could be unlawful to ask someone to prove they are a citizen of the United States in order to vote. When I vote, I show them my ID. They ask for my ID. I'm not offended by that. I don't consider that to be racist. I don't consider that to be... uh, you know, hateful toward any particular ethnic group, I show my ID whenever I'm asked to show my ID because I figure there must be a good security reason for it. I show it at the airport when I want to get on a plane. I show it when I want to vote. But the Justice Department contends that requiring people to show ID in order to vote is a violation of... The National Voter Registration Act. I know, right now you're going, huh? Yes, according to 
our Justice Department, it is a violation of the National Voter Registration Act that you show ID to vote. Wait, it gets crazier. The unconstitutionality of this Arizona law was upheld by the Supreme Court of the United States 10 years ago. That's right. Arizona tried 10 years ago to do this exact same thing. They went through the legislature. They got the governor's signature. They tried to implement a voter ID law in Arizona, and it was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court by a 7-2 to two vote. And guess who wrote the majority opinion? You're going to think I'm playing Ripley's Believe It or Not with you, but I assure you, the majority opinion was written by Antonin Scalia. I know, right? How can this be? I'm sure there was some legal technicality beyond my understanding, but it does not seem to me to be at all even remotely controversial that you would have to show voter ID in order to vote. So why is Arizona back if it got its wings clipped 10 years ago? Because the makeup of the court has changed. Who were the two that dissented on the 7-2 vote? They were Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, both still on the court. Now, the thought is, with Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett on the court, perhaps Arizona's voter ID law will be upheld by a 5-4 to four vote if, in fact, it gets to the Supreme Court. But the DOJ is suing the state of Arizona for requiring people to show ID in order to vote. Now... I'm not in favor of making laws that are done without a problem to solve. So has Arizona had a big problem with people voting who are not citizens? Yes. Yes, they have. Governor Doug Ducey's office said during the 2020 presidential election, approximately 11,600 Federal-only voters, that's presidential election-only voters, in Arizona cast a ballot without having to show proof of citizenship. Let's play a little game right here on live radio, shall we? I'm curious, now that I know that 11,600 people voted in Arizona without having to show ID, what Joe Biden's margin of victory was in the state of Arizona in 2020. And I'm going to bet you that it was less than 11,600. Are you with me on that? Or are you taking the opposite view? We asked Mr. Google. And let's see. Biden got 1,672,143. Trump got 1,661,686. So that is a difference of... Less than 11,600 votes. That is a difference of less than 11,600 votes. Which to me makes the case for Arizona's law. But I'm continually flabbergasted and frustrated when I do simple calculations like that, that any person with any kind of reasonable, reasonable logic can do. And those who disagree just dismiss it without really 
making a cogent argument as to why they disagree. For instance, your January 6th committee. I keep hearing them say that the vote totals in Arizona, Georgia, they're correct. There's no dispute. And they'll even bring on election officials from those states to say, the vote totals are the vote totals. There's no, there were no fraudulent votes. That is not an accurate statement. Let me put it this way. That is not a statement that is beyond reproach if, in fact, some of the votes that contributed to the numbers you are citing as proof were votes that were cast illegally by some of the 2,000 mules that we see in the Dinesh D'Souza movie. See, I don't quarrel. They're arguing a different thing than I'm arguing. My argument is, I'll stipulate your vote totals are fine. Your vote totals are what they are. I'm not disputing the final vote tally. What I'm disputing is the legality of some of the votes that make up that tally. And that's a question they don't want to address. If the January 6th commission had any kind of credibility at all, they would look at the video and the geo-tracking evidence that comes from True the Vote and 2,000 Mules, and then let's litigate that. Let's make a decision on that. Let's find out if there's merit in the accusations of Dinesh D'Souza and True the Vote, or there's not any merit in them. But to just present the vote totals and say, well, these are the vote totals, so it proves that Biden won. No, it doesn't prove that at all. If the vote totals aren't legit, and if you want to, and I've never heard the argument, I've never heard any argument that makes any sense to me as to why you would not want a more secure election, and presenting an ID would make our elections more secure, because you could not, I mean, you could forge an ID, but typically, what's more likely to happen? You'll vote illegally if you don't have to furnish an ID? Or will just as many people vote illegally with fake IDs? There's no way as many people would attempt to vote illegally if they had to come up with a fake ID. Because they're more apt to be caught. And if they're more apt to be caught, they're more apt to be punished. Hence, they're less willing to take that risk. My thanks to Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio for joining the show today, and my thanks to you for listening to the show today. I received some very nice emails from several of you, Bruce at SalemMedia.com, Bruce at SalemMedia.com. Uh, Randall sends a very nice email, and uh, got a couple others here, Mike as well. So I, I don't like to read emails, but oh, your show's great. And I, tell, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I take my platform very, very seriously. And I take uh, my research seriously, and I am always going to be honest with you and pledge to you that um, I'll say things even if they're not popular, because I speak for you. So in that vein, I know that my opinions on the unfortunate shooting death of Jalen Walker in Akron are not popular with a large segment of people out there. But the fact of the matter is, Jalen Walker is dead 
because Jalen Walker made a series of very bad decisions that had he not engaged in those decisions, he would be alive today. They arrested more people last night in Akron protesting the fact that Jalen Walker died in a shootout with police in which he was wounded 60 times. Now, I know the number of wounds is eyebrow-raising, but the reporting on this is so dishonest. Akron Beacon Journal and all the... uh, What's the word? All the opportunists are showing up now. The headline in the Akron Beacon Journal, Jacob Blake's dad, Brianna Taylor's aunt, arrested at Jalen Walker protest in Akron. You say, Jacob Blake? Who was Jacob Blake? Jacob Blake was the guy from Kenosha, Wisconsin, who showed up at his uh, baby mama's house in defiance of a restraining order. She called the cops. He had her sons in his car. Two police show up. They try to detain him. He resists. They tase him. He resists. He struggles physically with the officers. He gets tries to get into his car where he has a knife, and he is then shot seven times. A series of bad decisions by Jacob Blake to show up in defiance of a restraining order to resist arrest, to reach for a knife. Breonna Taylor's aunt. Who is Breonna Taylor? Ah, Breonna Taylor. Louisville, Kentucky. LeBron James got involved. He got involved in the Jacob Blake thing. He got involved in the whole Breonna Taylor thing. Breonna Taylor shot in a raid, a no-knock warrant, all the incorrect reporting on that. Well, Breonna Taylor was in her apartment with someone who shot at police. When they knocked on the door, it was a knock on the door. They didn't just barge in. And when you shoot at police, a hundred times out of a hundred, they're going to fire back. And typically there is going to be one of you shooting at police and there are going to be multiple police shooting back. And they are going to empty their weapon because that is what they are trained to do. And so however many police there are times however many shots they fire is how many shots will be fired. And that is why the number of bullets fired is not an accurate indicator of, wow, that's a dramatic overreaction. So the Akron Beacon Journal reports the story like this. Two high-profile national critics of police violence were arrested in Akron Wednesday night as protests over the death of Jalen Walker continued. Police made numerous other arrests, and social media posts show people being detained downtown outside the Stubbs Justice Center hours after a curfew was lifted for downtown. Now, about this time in a story is where you recycle the details of who Jalen Walker is and why people are protesting his arrest or his death. And here is how the Akron Beacon Journal, the hometown newspaper, describes this. Walker, 25, died after being shot 60 times June 27th by Akron police officers following a brief chase. That's their recap of how Jalen Walker ended up dead. Is it in there that Jalen Walker's vehicle matched the vehicle description from a crime in Akron on June the 26th? No, that is not in there. Is it in there that 
police tried to stop him for a traffic violation and he fled during that attempted stop? No, that's not in there either. Is it in there that Jalen Walker fired a shot at police as they were engaging in a high-speed pursuit with him through a residential area? No, that's not in there either. Is it in there that Jalen Walker exited the passenger side of his vehicle while it was still moving while wearing a ski mask and ran away from officers? No, that's not in there either. And is it in there that Jalen Walker turned toward police officers and reached into his belt for what we do not know, but officers had every reason to expect he was reaching into his belt for what? The weapon that he fired out the window of his car at them. That's not in the reporting either. This is such, this is such, this is why I hate the profession that I entered. I mean, I entered the journalism profession kind of with the same attitude I have now, a contrarian attitude. A contrarian attitude that I think drew a lot of people into journalism is you're going to expose wrongdoing. You're going to, for lack of a better term, fight City Hall. You're going to fight corruption. I never dreamed that I would end up being a contrarian and fighting corruption from the people who are also in the profession that I chose. But there is far more corruption in our media than there is in our police departments. And you look at the sign one of these protesters is holding, and the sign reads like this, one unarmed black man, eight armed pigs, 60 shots equals an execution. And that attitude, as wrong as it is, as unfair as it is, as explosive as it is, continues to feed the narrative that will induce the next Jalen Walker to panic when he sees the lights of a cruiser in his rearview mirror and... Whatever he does after that may lead to the same fate Jalen Walker suffered or the same fate that Jacob Blake suffered. And it's always the police officer's fault. Always. Always. And the Akron Beacon Journal story goes on to talk about how many people were arrested and the implication is clear that you shouldn't be able to arrest people for protesting the death of someone who was shot 60 times by police. And I would say to the relatives of Jacob Blake and Breonna Taylor, I question the authenticity of your concern. I don't think you care about Jalen Walker. I think you care about keeping your name out there and profiting off what happened to your relative. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.